back for another episode of the Capes and Tights podcast right here on capesandtights.com. I'm your host, Justin Soderberg. And this week, or this episode, I should say, we have senior editor at Dark Horse Comics, Daniel Shabon, on here to talk about editing comic books, the world of editing comic books, what it takes to be an editor, what he does on a daily basis, and so on and so forth over at Dark Horse Comics. Daniel has worked on books such as Where Monsters Lie by Kyle Starks, who was on for episode 100, The Great British Bump-Off by John Allison, who will be on in a future episode, Minor Threats, Black Hammer, the Jinx World books, the Tiny Onion books, including Blue Blue Book and the Oddly Oddly Pedestrian Life of Christopher Chaos, Umbrella Academy, some of the Comicsology books, Neil Gaiman's Library, Harrow County, and so much more over at Dark Horse Comics. Daniel has been there for over a decade editing comics and, and, and other things over there at Dark Horse. So check out this episode. But before you do, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as follow us, rate, subscribe, review, all that stuff over at Apple and on Spotify and all other major podcasting platforms. But this is episode 102 featuring Daniel Shaban at Dark Horse Comics, senior editor. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Doing well. How are you doing? Good. good. Actually, the second podcast I'm recording today, and it's actually coming out prior to the one that I recorded earlier, but with okay. also with someone named Daniel. So there you oh, go. Okay. It's, it's the Daniel day. Daniel Jose Older was on earlier. He'll be oh, on cool. for Star Wars week. We have a, a number of three episodes coming out on Star Wars week, which is the first week of May here. And don't Daniel Jose Older. So I'm like, oh, I'm recording with Daniel today. I'm like, wait, no, I'm actually recording with two Daniels. <laughs> Daniel Dan- squared. Day. Uh, and we'll tell everybody out there in the ether of listening to these podcasts, which one is better? No, I'm kidding. Don't, please oh, don't gosh. say which one's yeah, better. Yeah, go ahead. It's okay. <laughs> so we like to start off the episodes with like getting to know who we're talking to and so on and so forth. You don't have to go into your life story, but obviously you've been working at Dark Horse for a number of years now. You've been working in comic books, but how did like your love for comic books start? Like what's your quote-unquote comic book origin story of, of a childhood love or is it older later on in life my uh i i started loving comic books when i was a little kid uh i started to learn to read through comic books uh, my dad uh was an old school new yorker he was born in 1938 and he was a big collector he collected everything he collected sports cards non-sports cards comic books knives uh celebrity memorabilia i we had a basements and all the different houses full of just all these fun collectibles he had a napoleon bonaparte's autograph at one point and bella lugosi's cape like really random stuff (laughs) but he we had a great comic book collection we lived in washington dc and it was in the early 90s and around that time um there was a convention every weekend and my dad would take me to these conventions they weren't like super busy or crazy uh they were not full uh, there wasn't that much cosplay um it was really uh just some families and collectors and uh my dad was really interested in going there and getting like first appearance comic books um and so we would kind of share that collection and then he was giving me some comics to read and the first kind of comics i was reading were the EC comics. So as a little kid, I was reading these really kind of messed up comic books. <laughs> I love them because, you know, kids don't want to be censored. And um, they had these amazing artists attached to them and these great writers and really cool twist endings. And the Tales from the Crypt TV show was coming out around the same time. And I was the last of four boys, so I wasn't really censored at all. I think my dad just said he can do what he wants. So was reading and learning how to read through comics. Um, And uh, he was taking me to shops every week too and and get me things and and some superhero stuff too. So, um, and then as I was maturing uh, further along, I was starting to discover stuff from Vertigo. I was Mm -hmm. really uh, loving the Sandman as it was coming out and Sandman Mystery Theater and Animal Man and, uh swamp thing and all the kind of mature stuff coming out at the time so that's awesome and then obviously so you fell in fell in love with comic books and that told you you want to be an editor right that's exactly what it would <laughs> it was like one equals one no what how did that morph into working in the industry like how did that happen i guess 
<laughs> so that one, it's funny that I kind of I came back to it because uh, this one's a little more complicated. So then uh, high school comes along. I kind of stop reading comics at that point and focus more on school, then go to undergrad. And at that point, I'm in Kansas City, Missouri, which actually has a pretty decent comic book scene, too. A lot of comics creators are in the Missouri area. Um, and then uh, I get the idea to go get a master's degree. So I'm applying to different schools and trying to figure out what I want to be. I wasn't quite sure at that point. I had an English major and a poli-sci minor. Figured I needed to extend my education. Uh, applied to Portland State University and got into their master's program, which was a more of a general book publishing program. Didn't necessarily know I wanted to be an editor at that point either. Still kind of finding myself. Um, went through that pretty quickly. I did the master's in about one to two years. Uh, at that point, I had heard, uh, and it was somewhat aware that Dark Horse was in, in Portland. Um, I was friendly with some of the editors there. Uh, my brother, I have an older brother who's had work that's been published by Dark Horse. Um, and so he helped also give me an introduction to some of the editors there and basically kind of waited for like a seat to open up in any department, really. <laughs> uh, I got connected to Diana Schutz over there and she really kind of helped get me through. Um, she's one of the legendary editors and mm -hmm. just comics history. Uh, got in, uh, got an internship there. So I was an intern for a while doing very basic intern stuff. I mean, I really worked my way up from the bottom there for a long time. So as an intern, I was an assistant, I was an associate, I was uh, uh, an editor and now I'm a senior editor. And then also in between all that time, I also made the weird decision to go to law school. So uh, during my time as an assistant and an associate at Dark Horse, I did uh, four years full-time at Dark Horse. And then I was a part-time law school student at night. So um, I'm good. I'm good on going to school at this point. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's that's insane. I mean, it's funny because I've talked to Mark Guggenheim on here and, and Charles Soule, who are both lawyers yeah, as well. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny how the comic book industry and the lawyers work together on that sense. I mean, it's good to have. I mean, did you want to become a lawyer or was it just because you wanted to do it? Uh, I didn't necessarily want to become a lawyer. I wanted to do it. I also, I have a family that works really hard in general and tends to have two different careers. It's just kind of we overwork ourselves. My dad was a doctor and a lawyer. My mom was a speech pathologist and a store. Uh, she had a clothing store that she ran and um, was also a school administrator. Like we just over, we're crazy. We overwork ourselves. So I kind of was following in those footsteps. He was like, oh yeah, maybe I could do two jobs. Uh, I can't. <laughs> and law school was really dang hard. And that first year was really killing me, but I got through it. Um, but I really have always just loved comic books. And that's where I really just kind of found myself as I was going to law school and I was about to finish as I just really made the decision to myself that I just wanted to stay in comics as long as they'll have me. Because uh, You've been I like in there it. nearly, was it been, how long has it been, 20 years? Uh, since I, how long? Started was? at Dark Horse? How, how long has it been since you started at Dark Horse? I started at Dark Horse, um, <laughs> What was that? Uh, 2009? Nine? Yeah, I was, say, I was gonna say nine. So that's what 14 years ish. -ish. Yeah, around there. That's crazy. So. It, it, it's a crazy thought process because you would think that, I mean, you feel like the people that I've seen is that, like, you must really like, first of all, you must really like working at Dark Horse Comics in general because my point would be is that there's, if you usually you see people jump from publisher to publisher, um to get the next level th next thing it seems like you've just been able to be promoted from within which a means that they like your work and also b means you like working there is that true yes i can the thing i really like about it as long as i can keep doing them i'll be staying at dark horse is that mike richardson lets me do whatever i want to do like i work on what i want to work on um i'm not assigned anything um if anybody thinks i would be good at editing a particular thing that i haven't brought in uh, a conversation can be had and usually I'll, I'll do that it just depends on what the project is but um almost all of the books that i work on i bring in and um usually get greenlit and i just really get the full support of mike richardson and the company so that's awesome uh, back up a second too biz 
So for those who listening don't know, what does it exactly what does a senior editor do in the world of comic books? Like what what is your day-to-day process of how you work through working at Dark Horse? Um, it's basically in a nutshell, it's project managing. Um, so uh I, it, Jose Villarubia, the colorist, had a really good Instagram picture a couple months ago that had all these different terms that kind of fell under what an editor does, um, which is like a cheerleader, a counselor, a friend, a project manager, like it's everything you can kind of think of basically. But what I do is I just follow the life of each book. So from pitch to printed book, and I work with all the different departments at Dark Horse, which is design, production, um, print and uh, marketing. But um, I'm doing everything, every step along the way and looking at um, pieces of each book and proving them multiple times and doing that on uh, what's basically been about 200 books a year. I think our editorial average has been around 20. So I'm still overworking myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, so just following, I, I do usually every step of the book though. So pitch to script, to layouts, to pencils, to inks, to colors and letters and covers and variant covers. And so, uh, and, and following each single issue in each original graphic novel, Every collection, every every piece, every component has to be reviewed more than once. And that is not just me, it's with my team as well. I have two amazing assistants, um, Chuck and Misha, who really, in the end, make me look good. <laughs> so, Well, mate, I, I, I've had this conversation. I, my day job is, is a creative director for a brewery. And so I am in charge of the marketing, graphic design, all that stuff. But oh, cool. I used to be the general manager running the restaurant part and did this part on the side. But as we grew as a company, we realized that I need to step into this role more and, and let someone else do the management of the restaurant side. And this person always feels the person who took over from me in the restaurant side always feels bad for telling people what to do um, yeah. or, or having them do other things. And I'm like, what you need is a couple of good people that work below you who make yeah. you look better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so, good management. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Being good at delegating. You're good at delegating uh, and having you need a quality. Those people need to be quality people. So when they do it, it looks good on you too. Like I said, that's not the only thing you need to do, but like having two or three quality people underneath you that do the job and make your life either easier or look better. Prime, you're good. <laughs> are kicking butt. Which uh, brewery did you work at? I work at Orono Brewing Company in, in, in Orono, Maine. So on the other side oh. of the country from you. <laughs> oh, and so you're in Maine. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was yep. there last summer for a wedding. Really? for a wedding there you go see driving around there late at night is kind of crazy it's very dark yes it's very dark dark and you're always afraid like i'm always afraid even i've lived in maine i'm 37 and i've lived in maine for like 23 of those years or something and still to this day in most of those years i've lived there i've been able to drive and and still to this day at night i still feel like i'm gonna hit a, a deer or some sort yeah. of animal because just the wildlife is pretty crazy. I mean, every morning my son gets to walk up, wake up and look out the window and see deer in our yard, yeah. uh, which is pretty cool. But like, yeah, it's so dark. And I, yeah. I have a astigmatism in my life, like the lenses already or my eyes already. So yeah. all that together in Maine is not very fun. <laughs> yeah. It was scary, but also kind of fun. So yeah. it's, yeah. it's a lot. I love living here. That's why I love, 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 love about it is the wildlife and things like that. And in the, ruralness i just talked to uh, uh someone about being on their their show and they're like where are you i'm like rural maine i have high speed internet i am fine it's not like i'm living in the middle okay. of the woods but rural to a lot, a lot of other people who i've spoken to on the podcast uh in the past but yeah it's pretty it's pretty fun out here um so obviously you mentioned the editor part of it being management and all that stuff and you mentioned bringing books on is this something where you're like seeking out books or is there people contacting like hey i know daniel I'll, I'll reach out to him i know i know like for example you were working with the jinx world stuff so you have that and you have work with tiny young and, and and things like that you've also done com- the comicsology stuff neil gaiman is it all these people contacted you or did you reach out to some of these people and say would you like to bring your books over to dark wars uh some of those i contacted and some came to me uh most of the time it will be me scouting stuff and doing acquisitions um, the Jinx World one, um, Bendis called me and, uh, was trying to, um, feel things out at Dark Horse and the possibility of working with me. He had heard good things about me. 
And uh, we had met maybe just a few times before that um, and uh, was looking at moving Jinx World from DC Comics to Dark Horse. And so we talked, um, I presented it to Dark Horse because Dark Horse has kind of a uh, somewhat of a bureaucratic pitching system too, which I could explain later as well. Um, and so he came to me, Tiny Onion, I pitched it to James to bring those books over. Mm-hmm. And then um, Comixology came to us at the time when it was launching the originals line with Chip Mosier at the time. And um, I volunteered to work on those just because those books are awesome and Mm -hmm. really cool people behind them. And um, I thought they'd be a lot of fun to work on. And they're not too much work either because they're pretty much done. You work with a lot of house people. There's already an editor involved in all those different books. And that's kind of fun too, is just to work with out of house editors. Most of the time, they're all great people. It's just an extra support system. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, most of the time I'm going after stuff. So that's pretty cool. I mean, we had uh, Mark Bernardin on too to talk about Dora in the Distance and Census. Yeah. And uh, he had nothing but nice things to say about both comicsology and in the, in the relationship with with Dark Horse as well. Uh, yeah. and, and obviously it's a home run getting someone like James Tiny in the fourth to come over and has, have his books over there. The difference again there too is a lot of the, the blue book and the oddly pedestrian life of Christopher Chaos. Those books were both released on his Substack for, first. Yes. So like that's again, they were already basically in the process of being made before they went over to Dark Horse. That makes your job a tiny bit easier, I'm guessing too. Yeah. Um yeah, exactly. And, and Bendis has some Substack stuff that's going to be published by Dark Horse. And then who else? There's more. Um, we've done some Black Hammer stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, some of the Black Hammer stuff, we actually, since I'm the editor on that, we will just make the book at Dark Horse and then Jeff will post on Substack and then we just do the print version later. So. Mm-hmm. It's such a, you, and this is something that obviously changed since the day you were even an assistant or associate there the way that people consume comic books and the way people make comic books or sell comic yeah. books nowadays is completely different. So I'm guessing you've had to morph some of the way that you work too. I guess so. Um, new things pop up along the way and the new things um, fade too. Um, my job is, yeah, there's a lot of accommodating, but at the same time, it's still kind of stayed the same in some ways. Like there's different people to work with for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I the Substack thing has definitely been interesting. I don't know how long it will last or not, and maybe it'll go on for a while. It's a lot of spending money, mm. um, but um, I've seen a lot of of this and and those in the decade plus I've been working at Dark Horse with a lot of people come in and new companies, and they'll spend a lot of money at once, and then they kind of fade away because mm-hmm. you need money too. Yeah, so, um, it's just yeah. it's 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 also interesting. The Substack thing was like they did the whole throw a bunch of money at it and the people created comic books uh you know i had scotty young on and scotty young talked about how he did the substack thing and then decided not to do it anymore and just does, yeah. still does his, his newsletter through substack but it's just free and then yeah. he uh, uh james is now doing his stuff through third eye comics it's not even through substack yeah. anymore and i i swear i just got an email today from three worlds three moons that they're not going to do their thing there anymore either they're launching their own website so it was like they yeah. all got the idea of the subscription-based thing for Substack, and then they were all like, okay, I can do this on my own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, Which... at the, the start of it's really good just because, you know, it allowed a lot of these books to be created and made, and maybe they would not have if if Substack didn't start this. So it brought exactly. us more books. Exactly. So. And that's the thing. So it's really cool to see the different... One of the things I've always liked about Dark Horse is the wide variety of options you've been able to give between single-issue comic books, graphic novels, and so on, and adding these things like Jinx World a little while ago and Tiny Onion more recently and so on. It's given mm-hmm. it to be these big creators that have great names with them to come over. I mean, Brian Michael Bendis is one of my favorite creators of all time. And the fact that he has his world over at Dark Horse is awesome. Yeah, no, Brian's fantastic. He's fantastic to work with. Um, his class on Substack's a lot of fun too. If you get a chance to to watch any of those, um, but all the books he's been cooking over with us right now have been really fun. So and more on the way. And then obviously, more recently, we just had Kyle Starks on, and I told him, oh, yeah. which, which is really funny because Kyle is on for episode number one hundred, and I said it was kind of funny is that he's actually going to be mentioned in three straight podcasts because episode one hundred was him, episode one hundred and one yeah. was was Scotty Young, and I told him that I was going to bring up the fact that they have the I hate uh, universe together now. They have two, both of them have comic books to say I hate at the beginning of it, and yeah. that they have to do a crossover with it. 
And then I said, well, and then Daniel's going to be on an episode, the next episode. And we'll talk about where monsters lie because it was over at dark horse. And uh, I told him that I'd tell you that I want more. We want more where monsters lie. So, okay. <laughs> so just Maybe put that down on your list. <laughs> uh, it's being very positively received and uh, it's a really fun comic book. Um, and I'm a big horror fan too. Mm-hmm. Um, I love my like just crappy horror movies from the eighties. Um, and that was my first time working with him as well. I had read his stuff and I loved it. Um, and he's really funny and he sent that pitch and it was just perfect. So I thought it was a good one to start with. So, uh, maybe there'll be more. (laughs) And it's funny. I always said to people when they like at the end, they're like, Hey, I have some things that I'm kind of working on that I can't say anything about. And I'm like, if you didn't have that, I'd be worried because you have to have that in your mind. Like you have things that, you know, you can't say right now because they're on yeah. the, you know, plate, they're being worked out. They haven't been announced yet. And, but if you came to me and said, Nope, I have nothing to work on. I'd be like, okay, then you probably should get on that. <laughs> yeah, I will <laughs> because... for sure say there's more with Kyle cooking. Okay, so. But uh, so you mentioned pitches earlier. So you deal with pitches and things like that too. So what, if I had a comic book that I, I don't, but if I had a comic book that I wanted to get dark horse to, to, to publish, how would I go about I'm obviously not saying this because people here don't give me an email address or where to send it to, but like, okay. how does that process go through? How does that happen? Does someone get a book at, at Dark Horse? Um, like you were completely green and new and uh, yeah, well, yeah uh, both ways. I mean, say, say when Kyle came to you for the first time and pitched where monsters lie, how would that process go? Uh, uh, not... different. Yeah. Cause yeah. Kyle came through the recommendation Kyle got connected to me through Matt Kent, I think. Okay. Because uh, I work with Kent as well mm-hmm. and um, they're friends. Um, and I think Kyle was looking for a new publisher to work with. Um, and I thought we had a lot to offer. I think uh, I Hate This Place is at Skybound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with different deals. Uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, I, folks sometimes will message me on social media. It's not always the best route. Uh, if they do, usually what I think is the best thing is like, if you are kind of cold messaging me and I'm pretty good at messaging back, it just depends, um, is to be, is to be trackable in a way where like, okay, I can click on this person and see they have a website, see like, okay, if you're an artist, this takes me to your Instagram and I can quickly see like, oh, you got some cool art here or like the website can show, um, uh, here's your published books before or like where you went to college just something to show like you're not some crazy person or something yes. else just like show show that you're real and authentic and things like that so like it's not always the best thing to kind of cold message someone but it is a route and i don't know if that's the same for every editor um you can always meet them at conventions although since the pandemic meeting editors at conventions i'm sure is more challenging mm-hmm. um Really, if if you have any kind of connections at all in the comic book industry, whether or not you have friends that have been published um, anywhere is always helpful. And just talking to them, mm-hmm. like you got to start somewhere small, presumably. So like if you have a friend that's been published in an anthology, well, then maybe they know an editor of that anthology and that editor might know someone else like just trying to figure out what your access routes are and then also building yourself up in the process so some people come out swinging right away and and get a series and sometimes it is kind of a ladder on the way up it's it's funny the cold call thing is like i reached out to you about being on here and i was like it's one of those things that i was like oh i really kind of want to see if daniel will be on but then i was like but in actual schedule i should probably go through the right channels and I, and that's why i messaged caitlin over at the, at the marketing or oh, pr yeah. department and it's like doing the right thing like it's reaching out to someone cold whatever but then getting to the point where like is this how you want me to contact you if I'm yeah. looking for this? Or can you point me in the right direction on what I should do? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, in that instance, I just wanted to make sure marketing was in the loop too. Yes, otherwise, exactly. trouble. So, <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you'd be like three weeks later, they're like, uh, what did you do? Did Why you do you this? On this podcast? Nobody told us. What did you say about us? Yeah. Well, well I feel yeah. like Dark Horse is just taking over the beginning of it anyway. Yeah. So. Bye. Dark Horse is taking over the next 100 episodes because, you know, you got 100 and this is 102. So I just feel like I got to get another one on here. John Allison's coming on, too. So we hey, got that. Perfect. And so we got we got some uh, some uh, Dark Horse takeovers over here. You know, it, it, I'll tell you right one thing. It's one of those things that we mentioned, I think, before we started recording about what the stuff that's behind me here in my office. And like, do I have a favorite thing? And sometimes the things that I own that are actually worth something to me internally 
might not be super valuable or like what someone else might be like, really, that's your favorite thing. I mean, I have a Tony fleece sketch behind me on stray dogs and it's like, that's awesome. Tony's been on the podcast. I met him at a convention. He came to Maine to be at a convention, like all that stuff like adds up to making it like, but I'll tell you right now, dark horse does get this, like, I didn't say better treatment, but like, I'm happier to work with dark horse stuff because you guys have also been nicer enough to work with me. If that makes any sense. So like getting, discussion with Caitlin about different things and working on guests and talking to, about different PR things has helped me go, okay, I like working with dark horse. And that makes me feel like they, nice like I said, I, I try to treat everybody same, but like, yeah. I don't know if you know what I mean. It makes me happier to work with dark horse because of the way that someone's awesome. communicated with me. So. Good. Yeah. And cool. you should uh, hit up Caitlin some more. Uh, Caitlin does an amazing job and mm -hmm. maybe there's more creators they can suggest or um, other editors. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really cool. Whatever, yeah. And editors are one of those things that I feel like, I, and I, asking an editor why people forget you in a sense or why you're not given as much credit as maybe you should be is one of those things that you're like, you don't want to pat yourself on the back. But the editor is a huge part. I think a lot of people that I've talked to on podcasts who have mentioned about things about the book will be like, oh, this person drew it, this person colored it, this is the letterer, da, da, da. And they go, and my editor was amazing. And it's one of those things yeah. they always try to throw in the editor at the end there because like, I wouldn't be able to do this without an editor for 100% wouldn't be able to do this. Yeah, it's funny. I always get a little uncomfortable though if with like positive recognition sometimes on that stuff. Um, I I remember at some point I saw some image books a couple of years ago and they were actually crediting the editors on the cover. And I was like, that's interesting. I mean, I don't need that. I don't want that. But I was just kind of like, now we're, yeah, I, I don't, I guess I don't really know what to think of that entirely, but. Well, I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, when Scotty was on the last episode, Scotty Young mentioned that he did the first 15 issues of I Hate Fairyland. He did everything but letter. I mean, he wrote it. He drew it. Someone yeah. else colored it. Someone else lettered it. But he's like, but I also edited and, and got it going for the first 15 issues. He goes, it wasn't until the 16th issue where I was like, okay, I need an editor. I need someone to help me with this because I just can't do it on my own anymore. And so like that was one of those things where he realized that he just didn't have the help that he needed to continue pushing forward with it so yeah i mean sometimes the editor is extremely involved and um a little more than usual like there there is a book that i work on where i i meet with the creative team and we're working on the script live so mm -hmm. we're kind of all writing it together um i'm not going to get a writer credit i don't want a writer credit i don't need that my goal is to make sure the book comes out and gets done and uh and that part's kind of fun for me because it's it's uh it's creative. It's not just like trying to uh, schedule something and follow it along the way. It's actually coming up with ideas and uh, sometimes characters and lines and what sounds mm -hmm. best. So um, every every project is different. So uh, and 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 I'm not gonna call anything specifically because you can look it up online, people. But recently there was a comic book that was supposed to be released on a certain date, not from Dark Horse, and the cover wasn't what it was supposed to be, and it got reprinted and and, and being re-released -re or released later on. Is that something that you would have to deal with too? A printer error or some sort of oh, misprinting yeah. or something like that? That'd be for you too. Uh, anything can go wrong on a book. And mm -hmm. uh, do go wrong. And I know the story that you're talking about, and I can see how that happened. Um, yeah, uh, I've I've worked on books where I've made mistakes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've worked on books where my assistants have made mistakes. And it happens. And it's going to happen again. Um, sometimes they're super small. Sometimes they're big. I've, I worked on a book that had a repeat page once. Uh not great, but the nice thing about comics and single issues and first printings is you can fix those mistakes and they get caught. You know, what's different now with like social media is some folks will be more likely when they catch a mistake, they might tag the creator and be like, hey, do you see this? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's not great, but, you know, things get fixed. It's not the end of the world. Um, so it is the editor's job, uh, to do our best to just kind of make sure no mistakes happen, but it is a thing that I've just kind of learned over time is like, no matter how good you try or limit yourself to how much you're working on, it's just going to happen. It's part of human nature. Uh, so, but there are some mistakes that I've, I've, uh, encountered uh, on some books that 
are still in my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, there's a hundred percent that. So I, 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 like I mentioned about the brewery thing is I have typed things before and just swapped letters on accident. Like just when you're typing something and it's literally gone through like three or four people before the label yeah. for the can or whatever had been printed. Like yeah. three or four people also missed this thing. So like, it's still my fault. It still yeah. saw three other people after me and it's still my fault because even though they didn't catch it, it was still my mistake. And like yeah. the stickers, like the, the someone had peeled one off and throughout the brewery, there's just like stickers of like all the cans from the history of the brewery. And yeah. it's still on the wall. And I'm like, why do we have that one up there? There's a spelling error on collector's <laughs> item. And it's acknowledged when you've made a mistake too, just because like finger pointing and trying to delegate responsibility never helps anything in the long run. So like when my assistants have made mistakes, I say, don't worry about it. Your mistakes are my mistakes. Like ultimately it's it's on me. And that's the only way to really just kind of move forward and figure out what to do next. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cause some things are a little more challenging. So I've definitely worked on some things like where pages have printed too dark or <laughs> lettering balloons have shifted or, or completely disappeared. Uh, the repeat page incident um, words misspelled, like it will happen no matter how much you try. Some of it's just because of how much we have to work on right now yeah. too. You have a lot to work on in a short amount of time to do it too. Like you have deadlines to meet and things like that. And sometimes just things get through the cracks and it happens. It, it No one's perfect. <laughs> yeah. And some things, some things get turned in late. So it mm -hmm. chops away at the time you have to review it. And you've delegated that time already to something else to look at. Um, new projects come up along the way. So like, it's a lot of juggling. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it, it happens. Um, it is funny though, with the, like if a mistake happens, people tag the creator online that's a newer thing because i i just remember like as myself as a casual reader not just comics but like if i'm reading a prose book and there's a typo like i'm not thinking oh i'm just gonna tag stephen king and be like hey <laughs> the editor's an idiot yeah it's funny too because it could be like someone who's made, made making comics for like 30 years too and that's where you're in a tag and it's like one mistake that you've seen in 30 years of this person's comic book and you're gonna tag the creator over over this issue <laughs> Like if, I, you, if you I, if you were to tag Stephen King, it's like how many books does Stephen King put out, and you're gonna yeah. tag him up for this one misspelled word, the. Yeah, yeah, it's never helpful to be like mean spirited either. No. So like when people are tagging that or being mean online. Like editors see all that, creators see all that. So like how we behave in front of each other is is important because some folks that I've seen um tag like that or comment on mistakes like they'll pitch later. Mm -hmm. and, in my head, I'm like, well, I know you, but I know you for a reason. You don't want me to know you. So, yeah. And then then they're not allowed to ever make a mistake ever. And they, the people yeah. who call the people out to are the people who don't ever make mistakes, though, right? That better be a flawless <laughs> comic book. So, so what, I guess there's one thing in a bigger picture of Dark Horse. What, what, and you may not have the exact answer, what, what makes Dark Horse different than the other publishing houses? Like, if it were, if you were to like pitch why Dark Horse is the best publisher, uh, not specifics, but like just in general, what makes it a different publisher than other other people? Uh, it's different. It's probably a pro and a con is just how the variety of the books that we do, because it's not just comic books. Um, well, with well with the comic books that we do, I mostly work on creator own, but there's also licensed comic books. So there's like He-Man and we had Alien at one point, but now we have a lot of different video game ones and Star Wars again. Uh, there, we do all these art books. So like video game art books and movie art books and TV show art books. Um, I've worked on a few of those in the past. Uh, uh, we have manga. So like Berserk is Dark Horse's yes. best-selling book. It's in the print run of like the millions. Like it's an insane seller. Um, if you look at like the top 10 sell, uh, top 10 comic book publishers, it's not what you're seeing on Bleeding Cool. It's not like Marvel, DC, Dark Horse yeah. Image. It's like uh, Viz, Scholastic, Kadansha. Like manga sells bananas. And uh, Berserk is just an incredible book with uh, a really faithful audience. Um, it's funny so how you mentioned Berserk, though, because I just listened uh off-panel podcast with David Harper. Yeah. I had James uh, Tenian, the, the fourth on, and they had mentioned Berserk and Dark being over at Dark Horse because they were talking. He was talking about his relationship with Dark Horse and so on, how he liked having his books over there. And he meant you mentioned Berserk, and and how people sometimes forget that that Dark Horse does still have uh, Berserk in their library, and it's one of those things that like 
reprint it, it's gonna sell. <laughs> yeah, it's it, uh, it's just printing money. Like the yes. minutes they get printed, they sell out right away, and we got to print some more. And like determining quantities for that book uh, is just kind of impossible. It's almost uh, like you just like wherever your printer is, just like okay, we got to get get an extra print. Just throw a couple of copies of Berserk in there, and we'll be fine. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really, uh, broad line of, of books that we do there, um, which allows, I think all the different editors to kind of follow their passion. Um, like, oh, I love manga. So I'm just going to work on manga books mm -hmm. or I love these art books. I love video games. I'm going to work on these. Like you, you kind of have a choice, which is nice, a choice of who to work with and what to work on. Um, and then, uh, other positives, like I just think what Dark Horse has to offer, at least for creators, um, a, a support system. It's a large company. It's over 100 people. Um, we have over 20 editors. Uh, each are assigned to the book. So each project gets an editor that will be the support system. Um, we have an in-house design department and a production team and marketing. Like It's a big publishing house that's here to support a creator and make the best book possible, have it come out on time and hopefully the book will do well. So, um, that's, yeah, that's awesome. It's, it's, work. It's, it's, it's a great, the name has been a name in, in comic books for a number of years, which is great too. So there's, there's, there's some, there's some history to it as well. Um, do you have, I know all, all your books are your babies, obviously at this point, it's hard to like picking a favorite child, but is there one that you look back on? That's like one of your favorites books to have worked on series that we've worked on as an editor i think um the book that really kind of led me down the track that i'm on now is harrow county with cullen bunn and tyler crook because that's the first book i started working on all the hellboy books that's where i cut my teeth mm. which was a good line to just kind of figure out what the hell i'm doing uh have mike mignola teach you how to make comic books yes um, and that's a creator owned book. A lot of people think that's like owned by Dark Horse or Alliance. Mm -hmm. Mike Mignola owns Hellboy. If he's unhappy with Dark Horse tomorrow, he can leave tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That's the nice thing about what Dark Horse has to offer is like, it's our responsibility to have a good relationship with creators. And if a creator is unhappy, they can take their book and go. So we have to kind mm -hmm. of prove ourselves to them. Um, Harrow County is the first book that I brought in after work on those Hellboy books. It was my first creator owned book. And it was a successful ongoing comic. It went on for 32 issues. Uh, that was my first time working with Cullen, who was fantastic to work with. And Tyler Crook is a good friend of mine. Um, and, that, and it was just nice because that book did well. I think I had an Eisner nom at one point. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it set me off on a path of like, okay, I'm just going to go after books that I think are cool and people that I think would be cool to work with. That's like there's not really a strategy beyond that. It's just yeah. like whatever I think is cool. So it's completely, I mean, I have to be objective. Like what do I think is going to sell? So, but yeah. it is kind of subjective too. It's just like, what would I like to read? And what I would like to read, it, apparently there's other people that would like to read the same thing. I think so. I think you're in a pretty good, uh, if you look at your, what you've been attached to, I think there's enough in there to say that you've chosen or worked on some books that uh, people like to read, <laughs> tell you that yeah. much. Uh, and so you also have um, books that you're working on currently. Like, obviously, I just mentioned Great British Bake, a bump off, I should say, with John Allison and, and Where Monsters Lies wrapping up uh, this week, actually, the day, no, it's the first week of May. Is when number four comes out. This comes out April 26th. That will be May 2nd, May 3rd. Uh, Kyle Starks has three books coming out that week. I remember us talking about that because he has his new Peacemaker book over at DC Black Label. I Hate This Place, number eight, and Where Monsters Lie, number four, all come out the same week. <laughs> so if Kyle Starks fans are going to go poor. Um, but yeah, but yeah. So yeah, and then you got, you just finished up. I think you finished up. Is, is it completed? Is Minor Threats over? Uh, the first volume or whatever it is. Uh, the series one is over. Okay, yes, okay. And then obviously working on Blue Book and then uh, Christopher Chaos comes out soon um, from, from Tiny Onion Studio or what is it, what is it called? Is it Tiny Onion? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you're working on all those right now, but what else do, what, what should people, what is like something that people should be going to the stands to buy Wednesday per se 
uh, going to your local comic book shop. Is there something particular that you're like really excited for people to pick up right now other than the ones I just mentioned? Oh man, since the pandemic started, I can't remember when any of my books come out anymore. <laughs> All the ones you just named are fantastic. I yeah. would encourage folks when they go to the store to pre-order comics. Yes, um, It's really important. A book really won't survive if there's not pre-orders, um, particularly for the first two issues. So if you really like a book and you want to see more of it, it's really helpful to have that conversation with your retailer. So I do know what's orderable right now is still the second arc of Lonesome Hunters by Tyler Crook. Mm -hmm. Pre-order the first issue. Um, and then, uh, yes, Christopher Chaos, number one by James Tynan and uh, Tate Bromble and Isaac Guitar. Uh, that book's uh, awesome. Uh, that'll come out end of June for Pride Month. Super fun horror uh, comic book series. What else? I'm actually looking at my list right now. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> you have so it's, 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 it's one of those things that i will say it's different and, and one of the things i've mentioned to other people about like letterers for an example who work on many different titles because they're the person that finishes that stuff is it's kind of cool that you have that ability to actually be attached to so many books that you don't actually have to physically write or illustrate that you can have the ability to like have more of a management role in but you get to touch all yeah. these different titles it's pretty cool yeah well and um Colin Bunn's amazing. I had Colin Bunn on a few episodes ago talking about things. He also feels like he's one of the busiest people in comic books. I'll tell you that much. He is. He's like that... working everywhere and on everything. And we have we have more cooking. I think I'm gonna ride the Colin Bunn wave as far as it'll take me. And he actually what's funny is I, I mentioned to him about the the idea of like he's literally has a book at pretty much every publisher. And I was just like why and he's like well you know where it is like what makes sense and and then james made the point on that podcast episode everyone should listen to it on off panel with with, with james Steinian, is having it at multiple places makes it easier also to release your books because if you have a good book they're not choosing which book to release if that makes any sense like if all of james's books were at dark horse there's not a, there's not enough spots in your guys's schedule Yes. to put all of them out. So having and choosing to pick a couple different places to put them is not a bad idea because then your books can be out there on the market. Each each publisher only has a certain finite number of books they can actually put out at a time. I think it's that. I think he's right. And then also, you know, I, a lot of creators will do exclusives. We have creators that have signed exclusives. Those those have been voluntary, at least mm -hmm. at Dark Horse. Um, like Matt Kent signed an exclusive yep. with us Right it was his idea and i'm like well if you want to uh <laughs> have that conversation um but uh i and, and what i was telling him and what is kind of tied into what you're saying um i i do think it's good for creators to have work at multiple publishers not just for schedules but also to have the support of other publishers like if you have boom and and Dark Horse and DC and all these companies pushing your work, uh, those are all big teams. So the more the better. Like it's and just, and they're all each other. Yes. Like they all want to impress the person the most, probably. So like it's I think it gives the uh creator more muscle. It, I don't think signing an exclusive exclusive is always the healthiest thing, because then you're just kind of locked in at the publisher for a couple of years. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if other publishers are, are paying different things or, uh, supporting things in different ways, um, I think it is beneficial to a creator. And, and having more books, if you're, if you're a person who likes to write or, or illustrate a number of books, and if, if you take James for an example and say with blue book being on the shelf, if someone, or, or, or the oddly pedestrian life of Christopher chaos, Excuse me. If someone comes in the store on a Wednesday and talks to my friend Paul, who owns the LCS in my area, he says, "I really like something's killing the children, and the the writing's amazing, yada yada yada." And he and he goes, "Well, you're going to want to pick up this book and this book as well." And it's another publisher basically promoting your books in a sense, if that makes any sense, because that book might not be on the shelf the same or out the same week as you know last week this book came out, and this totally. week is the next James guy. So the with James's tiny as the name all over the place, it also helps with the promotion of all of his books instead of just yeah. having that one publisher have only one book uh, to publish and promote the book as well. So, because uh, I mean, was that? Oh, I was going to say, and and what's interesting too about the Substack 
ones yes. is like those books are already available to read for free online um but they're selling well as single issues um like blue, blue book did really well everyone could read that online for free right now but folks were excited about the printed editions and got them so i mean a lot uh, of us those are who call themselves collectors as well it's like i'm a big single floppy issue person and so yeah. like i own a lot of things and honestly a lot of times i mean i am uh, lucky enough running a website to to have advanced copy pdfs uh you know coming from dark horse and other places to read them in a week or two a week in advance um yeah. i still go out and, and buy the single issue even though i've already read it because i want to collect it i want to own it and i want to promote and, and support these creators i will say that i am not a big fan of cats in the first place like i had one for two months and oh, i ended yeah. up giving it to a friend and hairball did not make me want to get a cat again uh -oh. <laughs> i like it when it does a horse <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I've only lived with a few cats. I'm more of a dog person who's uh, passed out over here right now. Loaf of bread. Like, <laughs> um, but uh, when that book came out, a lot of really pro cat people seem to um, be very receptive to it. So <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, that cat's an asshole. Yeah. Uh, well. Where do you see where the story goes? That's the other part. Like, I, and now I feel like I'm, a, I'm attached to it. I, I, the the Matt's writing in that book, the book itself is amazing. The artwork's amazing. And the pacing yeah. of it was amazing to me. It was like, I don't know. It felt like something I hadn't read before. Like I hadn't read before, but like some sort of way it was written was different to me that it was just very much more like fast paced, but not too fast. I don't know what it was about the book, but I really enjoyed reading it. I could, it could have been, you know, how to boil water and I would have been enjoyed reading it just the way it was paced out, which was awesome. Yeah. It's a pretty, it's a nice, easy kind of the follow mm -hmm. story. Yeah. No, he likes it a lot. Matt's, Matt's great. Matt's, Matt Kent's a great writer too. So that's excellent too. So it, the whole, everything, I literally, it was funny. It was like one of the things that I was like, Oh, I really want to talk to Daniel on the podcast. And it was like, I really like the idea of you working for Dark Horse. I like the idea that you're an editor. So giving that whole aspect too, and getting a little bit, know a little bit about editing books. But then I'm like, then you go through and like, oh, wonder what he's actually worked on. And I'm looking through and I'm like, oh, yep, 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 yep. Love all those books. So yeah, you got I, a good I, track I, record I there. Because I forget, like yeah. I'm working on stuff when it's live. And so I can't really remember everything I'm working on at the same time. Sounds weird, but it's a fact. Like when folks ask me what I'm working on, I'm like, all right. And it takes me a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, but that's the thing is it's a difference between like maybe an editor and, and someone who is a writer or a letter or a illustrator. And the same thing, I, I talked to TC Hopkins uh, uh, and Justin Birch on who are our letterers. And it's one of the things like, oh, yeah, I did letter that book. And it's like because they just have so much uh, that they letter and so many different titles that they do uh, that sometimes it's hard to remember what you actually worked on. But, you know, uh, the important ones are like the oddly pedestrian life of Christopher Chaos because it hasn't, it hasn't hit shops yet. So you can pre-order it. <laughs> It's gonna That's be the important one. <laughs> that and then those were coming out in trades. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, so so you have gone from a, uh, a comic book reader and, and collector to now working in the industry and something that you seem like you want to do for, for a pretty good amount of time here. And you've worked on a bunch of books. And so we were very happy to have you on here to talk about uh, Dark Horse and editing books and so on and so forth. Is there anything else that you wanted to pitch or say to someone who would maybe, how would, here's my, here's my question. Maybe we, we word vomit here. What would you tell someone who wants to be an editor in comic books, what they should do to get to that point? Uh, uh, read as much as possible. Uh, not just comics, but prose, but, uh, and read what's coming out. Um, know what people are buying. I think that's super important. And then uh, as you're meeting people in the, in the industry, um, just being nice. Uh, you'd be surprised how many people you meet that are at conventions and stuff like that, that just don't tend to be very friendly or can be kind of rude. And sometimes your heroes can let you down, but like, there's no harm in just being nice to people. It sounds really silly just saying that, but like, yeah, you go editors and creators and everyone really remembers the nicer people mm -hmm. so that's awesome that's so great, great advice nice. great advice just in life okay <laughs> just in life alone yeah. how about people just be nice to each other have a everybody <laughs> be nice to each other but uh yeah so it's always fun uh, and to talk to someone who, who who edits books uh because again you have a little bit more of a touch on on all the different processes of it and you've been there for long enough 
uh, to also know that like Dark Horse is obviously a good publisher to work for. And we're happy. We're looking forward to more stuff to come out uh, that you put your fingertips on because, uh, you know, I'm going to look for the errors that are coming out in these. Oh, God. All right. No, I'm, well, kid- I'm kidding. Let me know. <laughs> I'm going to tag you live on Instagram and Facebook yeah. and Twitter and all that stuff on, on all the edits that need to be done on these. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, at least you set it up, up front. <laughs> but you, uh, you have a Twitter, I believe. Yes, yeah, not want- too shabby with a C. Um, and then, and, uh, uh, yeah. My Instagram should be the same. So. And then you, uh, Dark Horse Comics is Dark Horse dot com or darkhorsecomics.com i think it's darkhorsecomics darkhorse.com question okay you got it darkhorse.com and all the stuff is on there uh be sure to check that out and again i think the biggest thing to take away from this again and i think to tell everybody every week is is to pre-order to tell your lcs before final order cutoff that you want whatever book's coming out because it does help both the publisher but it also helps your lcs and that they, they don't get they hate to say it but Sometimes I don't, my good friends, really good friends with my LCS owner. We just went to a comic convention together and the number of times we talked about him being quote unquote stuck with books is a, is a sad term to say, but sometimes a book he thinks is a great book that he would want to have. So he orders a little heavy and then no one buys it and then ends up stuck with it. And he's in his back issues for a while. Um, So getting a creator or LCS to also be close enough to the numbers or even better, the opposite where like, he puts it on the poll list and he only ordered two copies of it and realizing that 15, 20, 20, 30 people want it. And now they yeah. can't get it anymore because it's sold out yeah. and or something. Really so, uh, yeah. But getting those numbers together helps both the publisher and the LCS and, and, and so on as well. So, uh, and then, you know, buy books, read comic books, continuously read comic books and graphic novels and all those things. Cause these creators work very hard on these things. And a lot of them are really good. So that, I mean, I try to go through the website every once in a while and I'm like, wow, I've only reviewed really good comic books. And I'm like, it's because everybody's making great comics right now. There's a lot of great comics at Dark Horse right now. So check all those out too at darkhorsecomics.com. But I really appreciate it, Daniel, you coming on and chatting and, and talking editing comic books. Um, we'll have to have you on again in the future. Yeah, totally. That'd be fun. I'm game. So and I appreciate that. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, you. Thanks, you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>